Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. This is the Secret Library Podcast. And I can't believe it, but we are at season nine. This is the final episode of season nine of The Secret Library. And this episode, there's no guest. It's just you and me to take a final look at this very important topic, which is publishing now. And now is constantly changing. Over the past eight years, of hosting The Secret Library, it's always been my goal to address each topic in such a way that it will be valid for a long time. I wanted to create a library of interviews and conversations that would be supportive to a writer discovering the show at any point. But given how much publishing has changed recently, I decided it was necessary to mark the time and to look at publishing in 2023, not publishing anytime, because publishing anytime isn't really a thing that we can hold on to anymore. There are too many things that are changing. And let's face it, publishing has always been evolving. Every creative field is always evolving. And while there are universal principles that still apply, I would say those apply far more to the process of writing than to the process of putting your work out in the world. Because as you've seen through this season, there are so many options now. There are so many different ways to publish. And we have more opportunity to choose for ourselves than we ever have before. So it was really important to me to bring the timely into the show. And that looked like a lot of different things, actually. It added kind of depth to the conversations in a way I hadn't entirely expected. I think I've been directing questions, thinking about discussions in previous seasons as a sense of how can we talk about this in a way that someone will still find meaning in it years from now. But I was less wedded to that this time. I was more excited about how can we get to the heart of what it feels like to try to publish a book in 2023. So I'm curious how that felt to you listening. I really enjoyed it a lot. And I don't know what that's going to mean over time. But I think that what I learned from holding these conversations and from asking people to come on and talk about publishing from a number of different directions is that, well, this isn't a new idea, but even more than I did before, I feel like there is no one right answer. There has always been this sense of traditional publishing as the this sort of highbrow choice. I don't know how else to put it. And that 
there is a stamp of approval that comes with publishing traditionally that may still matter. And yet it is more difficult than ever to get through those doors because publishing is uncertain at the moment. And there is a a shaky sense of what's going to make money. Paper is more expensive. All of the supplies are more expensive. Everything is in there. And it feels like there's a lot of fear and uncertainty. And as publishing in the traditional sense is a business like any other, we've seen lots of layoffs this year in that sector, which means more people are having to work harder with a smaller workforce. That's just the way it is. And so those of us coming into the hope of publishing traditionally now are looking at a very different reality than we have in the past. However, on the positive side, we are seeing more inclusive books coming out through traditional publishing than we've seen before. I have been incredibly heartened particularly in the arena of romance, to see trans, queer, all manner of relationships represented in books that are selling really well. The best thing you can do for traditional publishing, other than publishing a book that you think would share more stories, is to support more inclusive authors, more inclusive books, more inclusive stories, a wider range to show that, yes, this is something you want to see in bookstores. So I have been reading a huge amount of books by queer authors or about queer storylines, as well as authors of color and telling stories that have not previously been included in traditional publishing. These books are excellent and we are lucky to have them. So in that sense, publishing has done a lot. And at the same time, it's hard work writing a book. And so if people don't have spare time because they're working extra jobs because things have gotten more expensive, that makes it more difficult. And if you're concern when publishing is about what can I do to add another stream of income, traditional publishing is not the best one to add more money to your monthly budget. But if done thoughtfully with a plan and consistently, we've heard from authors succeeding in the independent sphere We've had several of them this season, and we've looked at ways in which publishing your book can lead to increased income, but also the possibility of seeing your story on screen, which was something we didn't think about in the past. Publishing traditionally was really the route to go if we thought, oh, I want to be considered for television or film, but opportunities are arising in that area too. So I wanted all of this to be out there. And we also got to see some of my own fears and hangups about publishing. This is a a live, juicy, rich topic for me. That's essentially how I pick the topics for the podcast. 
Each season topic has been the issue that is foremost on my mind at the time that we record the season without fail. And also I sort of take the temperature of those in my community, in my classes, my clients. And when I feel a resonance between a topic that my mind is really focusing on with theirs, then I know we have a solid topic for a season. So that's why we went with publishing now for season nine. And it has been a challenging year. 2023 has been often scary and hard. And we have read and seen a lot of news in the world that is painful and heartbreaking and has yet again torn people apart on really loaded topics. We have continued war in Ukraine. We have continued high cost of living. We have the situation in Gaza, which is really whacking us in the face and in the heart and in everything over the last period of time as I record this. So we're all looking at what is most important to us? What do I care about? And it can be hard to feel that the desire to publish a book is a worthy pursuit of your time. I think that has definitely borne out in the fact that the courses and workshops that I personally run for writers have taken a real hit in 2023 in enrollment. I can see that in times like these, it's really hard for writers, including me, to feel that what we're doing is the best way to do something valuable for the world. And so I think there is a feeling that taking time out, supporting yourself as a writer and doing good things for yourself to keep writing is not worth spending the money on. And we have to do what we have to do to have a realistic and survivable life. And at the same time, I have to say that at least for me, and maybe this is true for you as well, because you are, I assume, someone who loves books if you're listening to this show, the way that I've gotten through this particularly difficult year in a series of particularly difficult years is reading. If I hadn't had the books on my bedside table and in my bag carried around with me as I go about my day and my week, if I hadn't had these books to curl up with on the sofa with my cats when it's raining outside and the news is terrible, I really don't know how all of the things I got done this year would get done. Nothing happens, nothing moves forward without the comfort and support and empathy of books, of reading about characters who overcame difficulties far worse than what I'm facing. There is not a lot of fuel to get through tough times without books. And so I want to offer the alternative that if this year it's been hard to justify the value of spending time on your writing, think about how much writing from other people has given you and what would have happened for you if those books weren't there. 
And someday, if you keep going with that story you're working on, that story has the potential to be that for someone else. And even those of us who don't have jobs that very obviously help in hard times like this, those of us who are not in Doctors Without Borders, those of us who are not frontline medical workers or medical researchers or working on humanitarian rights or treaty negotiations or any other of the many professions like environmental advocates and so on that are so badly needed right now and that have a direct impact on our lives, know that those people are under an insane amount of stress and are pressured like crazy. And I'm sure they have virtually no free time, but I know that if I was in that job, I would need books to escape into even more than I do now. So that was a big thing that I've taken with me is that perhaps writing a story that is a diversion that gives someone something to escape into is a real contribution. And if I treat it as if it's a real contribution, then hopefully it will be, no matter what form it gets published in. Because I have read books that are both independently and traditionally published. And I have loved books that are both independently and traditionally published. So whatever choice you make regarding putting your book out, make the choice that serves you as a writer and don't withhold that story just because one publisher's opinion doesn't match up with the story you're telling in this moment. Yes, seek help. Yes, look at nuance. And if you're writing about an experience that's not your direct experience, do the due diligence, do the hard work to honor that story as best you can. Ask difficult questions. Ask if you feel right telling it. But if you get to the end of that process feeling solid about your story and dedicated to it, then share it because it might be exactly what someone needs. And I think that's the big issue of publishing now is how badly we all need a story that's going to make us feel a little bit better, a little bit more hopeful, and like things might ultimately improve and that this might be a better world for all of us in the end. At least that's what I hope for. And so with that in mind, I wanted to share a few things that I'm looking forward to and that we are going to be doing here at the Secret Library and with my own work as a teacher and coach through Book Alchemy and some other things that you can get excited about now. So it's November 2023 as I'm recording this. And as you hear this, we will still be in the final days of the Novel Possible Challenge. And it has been a goofy idea from the beginning to create a Mission Impossible style series of writing prompts throughout November. So if you listen to this quite close to when it airs, you can still go to novelpossible.com and opt in to get a short 
like one minute short daily prompt for each day in November. If you have missed the challenge, but want to do it on your own through November, we have a pre-order sale. When you opt in, you have the option to purchase an album of all of the challenge prompts. So if you're getting this and it's like November 29th, then you can still, you can still participate and you can still get all of the prompts at a really, really small investment. Um, The price is going to go up as of December, but it will still be available. And we've had so much fun creating this challenge that I'm thinking of offering it a second time during the year, maybe June. Um, So that's something that will happen in 2024. But I love creating these prompts so much. And I love hearing that people are inspired to write and moving forward and having a good time with it. It's such a delight to hear this that it makes me want to do it more often. And so let me know when you hear this episode, if that's something you would be interested in. We will have more information coming out about that soon. Um, in, in addition, there are some exciting new things happening with the podcast, with The Secret Library. And so when I first started the show... Those of you who have been here since the beginning will remember that there used to be an episode every Thursday. Every Thursday, even if it was Christmas, even if it was New Year's, even if it was American Thanksgiving, there was an episode every Thursday. And they were always interview episodes because in the beginning, I didn't really feel I had a lot to say myself. I was very curious about what my guests had to say, but I I had less I was willing to share on my own. And that went on for at least three years before I could not maintain that pace anymore. It was too exhausting. And it felt like a really long to-do list that never ended. And so we switched to seasons. And we did our seasons, which we've done since season two. Season one was a very long, several-year every week season. And then we did season two, and now we're up to season nine. And those have been anywhere from 10 to 12 episodes twice a year, usually starting January, February, and then around September for the second season of the year. And now I've gotten to the point where it feels like a really long time between seasons, and I don't want to be out of touch and out of sharing episodes for that long. But I also don't want to go back to the point where I'm shredded and lying on the floor and feeling like nothing ever gets finished. So starting with season 10, which felt appropriate as a point to make a shift, we're going to shift our format slightly. And so instead of having episodes every week for each season, we're going to have episodes every other week, and then the seasons will go longer. So we'll start in January with season 10, and it will go through May instead of March or April as before. And then we'll take June and July off, and then we'll have a second season also every other week for the rest of the year. So you'll have two months without episodes in the summer, but the rest of the year will be reaching you with an episode of The Secret Library 
for many more months of the year than not. And this felt like a really good compromise to me and a way to keep the conversation going and to balance it and make it manageable. So that's something I'm really excited to share is happening starting in 2024. And we'll see how that goes and we'll see what you think. It's so helpful when people write in. The best way to reach us is to comment on social media. I'm Caro Donahue on Instagram. That's a really way, good way to reach me. And then also, if you subscribe to Footnotes, which is, you can subscribe either on secretlibrarypodcast.com under the newsletter tab or at carolinedonahue.com slash footnotes. Um, either of those places, you're on to the same, the same list and you'll get updates about podcast episodes. And so if you reply and let us know what you think about the episodes, it means so much. And I really do read every message that comes in. A lot of people write me and say, oh, I'm sure you get tons of email and you may not see this, but I really do read all of them and respond to as many as I can. So don't hold back if you have thoughts and you want to share. I would, I would really love to hear them. I would love to hear what you thought about this season and how it's impacted you. Has it changed your mind? Has it made you ask new questions? What are you still curious about? What would you like to hear more about? All of that is so, so wonderful and useful for us to hear. So the other thing that is coming soon that I love doing every year is our Your Writing Year Planner. So this is, for those of you who haven't seen it before, it's a planner for the year. And we also include prompts, reflections. There's going to be a much bigger and juicier reflection section in this year's version and a calendar. So you can mark and track how often you're writing, how your writing is going. And I find that marking up a calendar and keeping track of your writing progress is incredibly helpful to override the critic that has a tendency to say things like, you haven't gotten anything done. You've done nothing this year, nothing moved forward. You didn't make any progress. But for most of my students who I have gently and not so gently encouraged to keep track of when they write and how it went, they've realized that they've actually done a lot more than their critic wants them to believe. And this is really important to realize. You've done more than you think, and you're probably further along with your project than you realize. And so keeping track with something like the Your Writing Year Planner is a really great way to reflect on your writing and to have a more accurate picture of the things you've done. So in addition to the planner, which is a free gift that comes out in December, it will probably be out in mid-December this year, I'm going to be running in January on January 7th, which is the first Sunday in January, a live planning workshop. So it's going to be a 90-minute workshop, which gives you time to go through the planner, check it out, actually set the time aside, and do some journaling, reflecting, looking at how 2023 went, how did writing feel for you then, and what are your hopes, what are your dreams, and what do you want to accomplish in 2024? It's so important to take this time, and doing so 
I always do in late December, early January to set these intentions so that I can look back at them and regularly assess how I'm doing. It doesn't help as much to just do this in January and not look at it again until next January. I find that looking every two or three months and assessing what I've been up to against those goals and seeing how important those goals are to me, that motivates me to sit down and write or work on a project even when I'm not feeling entirely motivated, when it's hard or maybe when I think, what is the point of doing this? Or I'm not sure if I'm going to get there or I'm not sure if this is going well or that I'm taking the right direction. Having those benchmarks to come back to, I find is incredibly useful. So I'm going to be taking the time to do that on January 7th. And the workshop is going to be there for anyone who wants some guidance and support alongside the planner. So you'll get the details about the workshop when you opt in to get your planner download. And the planner itself is our gift. So you can get that just by opting in either from the newsletter or there will be more news about that um, on social media as well. So keep an eye out for that. And then finally, um, the other fun thing that's happening in December is that we will be opening doors again for the annual writing community that I run, which I don't talk about very much on here. I don't generally talk about classes and workshops that I'm offering, but I wanted to share them because I think the coming into this point in the year is when we start thinking, okay, how much did I get done this year? How much do I want to get done? How much support do I need? And so I've created this annual community, which is called the Manageable Yet Meaningful Writing Lab. And it is a community of writers. It's been running for the past few years. And I designed it basically to be the ideal writing community and what I would want if I was signing up for something. And so what happens is we have a couple times a week to cover various time zones around the world. We have study halls, which are basically just Zooms where we can co-work and work on our writing. And they have been surprisingly powerful. So we have those. We have monthly group coaching calls to ask questions, connect with each other, share how everything is going. We have an ongoing chat so we can drop in, hey, I'm about to write, encourage each other. Oh, I'm feeling stuck. And we call that chat river. It's just a all community chat that's always open. And so people drop questions in, I can answer. I see a lot of really wonderful support happening in there. So that happens. And then we have, next year, we're going to have 10 expert Q&As. So we have had New York Times bestselling authors who've been guests on the podcast. We have had um, an agent. We have had all manner of writers at different stages, independently published, traditionally published, you name it, have been on as guest experts to answer questions about their experience writing and publishing books and how they have figured it out. We've looked at structure. We've looked at character. We're looking at psychology and different ways that people express emotion so that we're not using the same the same gesture over and over again in our writing. All of those things are available 
And there will be more details about MYM, the manageable yet meaningful writing lab, coming up soon. And I hope that if any of this is of interest to you, you'll check it out. Finally, I want to thank you for listening to this show and for some of you for listening to this show for many, many years. Whenever I get a kind comment that an episode really made you think and made you feel like somebody understood what it was like to be you and write, those mean the world. And hearing these these thoughts and comments from you is really the bright spot of our day. So if you haven't done so already and the show means something to you, please share it with a friend, but also leave a comment on the platform where you listen. Leave a review, leave a rating. Those make a huge difference. More people find the show, the more ratings and reviews we have. And it doesn't matter which platform you do it on. They all make a huge difference. So if you haven't done so already, please share the show and share why you love the show in a rating or review. We are looking at ways to keep the show financially viable in the coming year. So you haven't heard many ads up to this point, aside from news about varying projects that I'm working on. But a note that in order to keep this all moving, you may hear some ads in the coming year. Um, I don't see a way around it at this point if we're able to be accepted by ad networks. So one other final way you can help, which is a strange one to mention, but I will mention it anyway, is that in every show notes post, there is a link to our tip jar. So if you'd like to help offset the cost of running the show, that is another way to support us. But really, the main one that matters the most is to leave your honest review and comments or to write to us and share your thoughts as well. So that is our season. That is a snapshot, and it is a limited snapshot. It's a snapshot with 10 different people, including me today, talking about publishing in 2023 and what it looks like. And this is primarily publishing in the US and in the UK. Publishing looks very different in Australia. It looks very different in Canada. It looks very different in non-English speaking countries. So we are not bringing that picture in. So we're not able at this moment to represent all forms of publishing. But I hope that even if you live in a country or are working within a publishing system that is not the same as the ones we've discussed, that there's been an idea that has sparked something for you and that you've been inspired in some way. Thank you again so, so much for being a part of this community, for listening, for caring, and for letting us build this beautiful show. It's an honor as always. And I look forward to seeing you next time in January for season 10.
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Jake Knapp is the inventor of the design sprint and the New York Times bestselling author of the book Sprint. He's also the co-founder of Character, a venture fund for early stage startups. How and why did you start using Miro? I came from this position of thinking, I don't want to be doing stuff online to thinking now when I do a sprint in person with a company, it's like, we're going to use Miro, even though we're all in the same room, because that's a better way for us to get this work done. As an investor, we're basically investing in their ability to solve problems. We're saying, we think this group of people is going to be able to solve a problem in a really great way and create value by doing it. And actually, you need to give people the tools that can help them make decisions, help them collaborate, help them visualize and see things in a different way. And Miro does all those things. So to me, at least as an investor, I'm thinking, give the team the tools that are going to help them think, that are going to make the most brighten their, their skills as smart folks. And Miro is at the top of that list for me. 